One thing about mama, she is going to make sure that everyone else is taken care of before she even thinks about treating herself. So if you are looking for the perfect gift to make mom feel special this Mother's Day, make sure you check out the Mega Moisture Duo from Osea Malibu because body care is self-care. Since 1996, Osea has been making clean, clinically proven, seaweed-infused skincare. So this Mother's Day, treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GSPP at OseaMalibu.com. Plus, you'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code GSPP for 10% off. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You can wish for it or you can work for it. You got to work for greatness. If you ain't working, you should be working. Let's work. These are the Confessions of a Workaholic. Confessions of a Workaholic. Welcome to Confessions of a Workaholic, where we share the success secrets of fearless female entrepreneurs who are obsessed with success. This is your girl, Corielle, and once again, you are in for a treat because we have an amazing, hardworking woman in the building. This episode is brought to you by The Inner Circle, a personal and professional mentoring program for goal-getting women. For more information on how The Inner Circle can support you and your success, visit MajorKeyMentoring.com. So let's get into it. Today, we are talking to Courtney Sanders. She's a coach and speaker and the creator of Think and Grow Chick, a movement where she empowers women to unlock their potential and think and grow into their purpose. Her work has been featured in Forbes, Essence Magazine, and the White House, and I know that she has some major keys to share. So Courtney, are you ready to confess? Absolutely. So I love starting um, the conversation by asking what your professional background is, because I find it so interesting how our passions tend to lead us away from our profession. So what exactly did you start your career out doing? Yeah, um, I started my career working for the federal government in finance and banking. So um, I did a lot with monetary policy, with um, asset sales, regulating banks. 
Um, in the day to day, it sounds, you know, kind of boring, but it was interesting from a high level um, because I've always been fascinated about uh, money, how it works, why some people have money, why some people don't, and how our um, systems in the US, just how, you know, money works and how people are taking advantage of it. So I did appreciate getting a kind of behind the scenes glimpse of how like money really works in this country. Um, but my day to day was, you know, not so exciting. So <laughs> that's why I did well, I always think, though, that we have to really, really value all of those jobs, all of those experiences, all of those internships, all of those things that may not um, necessarily align totally with our purpose, but they still were, were a part of it, right? Because they taught us something. They, they helped us um, learn something that was going to help us later on in life. So is there any tools or um, maybe strategies that you learned in your corporate career that you've actually been able to use in your business because I like for women um, and all of my listeners to really think about all of the skills that they are gaining you know working these jobs and 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 the hours that they're dedicating to their nine-to-five is not necessarily a waste because it's going to be useful in another way so what are some of the ways that you've been able to use those corporate years to um, add value in your business yeah um really i would say my job at the time really helped me a lot with my mindset so getting that viewpoint of how like money really worked and how wealthy people were doing things um part of my job involved going into banks and um, looking at their books and kind of determining what they had on the records and i was really fascinated to see um all these bankers how they manage their money and really how banks classify things and so very simple things like oh we look at our house and we're like oh you know i bought a house which is great you know i hope everybody becomes a homeowner and all that but you know most of us use mortgages to get a house and so um in banking the books it was always flipped where you know the um the debts that we have to the banks were their assets but what we put in the bank so our um, savings accounts and different things were their liabilities and so just something as simple as that is like you know, the bank considers our debt or our mortgage or our car loan or all these things assets because it was money that was coming into them. And they always made sure that they had tons and tons of revenue streams. So tons of loans on the books like they, you know, for us, it's bad to have lots of loans. They, you know, couldn't get loans fast enough um, because they wanted those revenue sources coming in. And so that was really the first seed to start me thinking, um, not just about entrepreneurship because I was already on that tip, but just uh, multiple streams of income and how I think about money because I was like, well, here are these companies in these banks and everything, they're trying to balance what they got going on where they want to have more income coming in than the liabilities that they have going out. Where most of us, we only have one job, one source of income coming in, yet in terms of the things that we owe or our liabilities, you know, in addition to the debt, we've got like Netflix and, you know, AT&T. And I mean, you look at your budget, there's probably like 20 different things that are flowing out, but we only have one source of income flowing in. And so that was the first kind of like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I think we're doing something wrong here. Um, we need to be building up multiple streams of income to at least kind of balance out our own financial picture. And that is one of my absolute favorite topics to talk about, multiple streams of income, because even if you don't want to, quote unquote, be your own boss, be your own CEO and start your own business, everybody can afford to make more money. Everybody can afford to create another stream of 
income. Multiple streams of income is not one of those things that, you know, wealthy people, you know, only wealthy people do. It's like a survival tactic at yes. this point, right? So what are some of the, like the creative streams of income that you have been able um, to build within your business that other entrepreneurs may be overlooking or, you know, some of the ways that you've gotten paid in the past that somebody out there may say, whoa, I'm, I know how to do that or that's a skill that I have. I never thought of that. Maybe I can use this to create another string. Oh, yes. Well, first, just let me like ditto that 1000%. Um, I talk to people all the time who are like, oh, but I really like my job and I don't want to quit my job. And I'm like, then don't. That's awesome. But you still should be creating multiple streams of income on the side. You know, I feel like it's like a lost discussion in personal finance. Like everyone knows they should have a budget and everything, but no one knows that they should also be having multiple streams of income. So it's always, I love meeting other women who like think the same way. So amen to that. But um, in terms of revenue streams, oh my goodness, I was like the hustle queen in college. So let me see, what did I do? I, um, well, because I was broke in college and I shopped at the thrift stores for all my clothes. Um, and you know, there's a lot of cute stuff in thrift stores, but I, I was doing it like strictly for necessity. I would get so frustrated because I'm tall or, you know, I have larger feet or a size 10 and I would see all these like cute things, um, you know, donated from the high income areas, but I couldn't fit them because they were like, you know, for shorter or petite women or for people with uh, smaller feet or whatever. And something just dawned on me. It was like, well, so just because you can't wear it doesn't mean somebody else can't wear it. If it's cute, you should sell it to them. So um, my first little hustle was uh, was buying these clothes um, and selling them on Etsy and eBay. And so that really helped me out um, in college and helped me make ends meet. Um, also, I, I had a little bike refurbishing business. So um, it was funny. I didn't even have a car and I lived in uh, Washington, D.C. area going to school. And I would take the bus out to like um, out the outskirts of DC so like Northern Virginia or um, Maryland and I would go to these garage sales and buy these like vintage you know Schwinn bikes and all this stuff and I would you know be taking them on the bus and the bus driver would be looking at me like I was crazy but the bikes were so cheap they were only like $20 a piece and then I would go come back to DC take them to a bike shop have their bikes uh, their brakes fixed for maybe like you know $10 $15 and I would literally sell these bikes on Craigslist for like $250 $300 um, so that was a good little hustle that I had that helped me um, make rent. Um, and then, you know, people always ask me about my natural hair. So I started charging natural hair consultations. Like literally people would stop me on the street and I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I do consultations. We could talk about your hair and, you know, the products that you should be using. Um, and I was doing all this at, you know, in my early twenties. So it wasn't like I had any like certifications or anything. I just was bold and just knew that I wanted to have multiple streams of income. So anytime an opportunity presented itself to me, I was taking advantage of it. And I I would meet people at like Starbucks and um, do these little consultations for like 30 bucks and, you know, spend an hour with them going over their um, hair stuff. So, you know, those are just some examples of things that I can, that I think anybody can do when it comes to um, monetizing. And then in terms of my business for revenue streams, my biggest and favorite revenue streams are digital products. And I always tell people your mind is a gold mine. And so there's no reason why you shouldn't be uh, packaging up what you know and turning them into digital products and selling them for a profit. Um, it's, it's helpful, especially when you do work a nine to five job, because it's something that can sell on autopilot while you're at work. And one of my favorite things ever was, you know, leaving my office to go get, you know, tea or use the bathroom or something and coming back and seeing that my phone 
had gone off and there were like four PayPal notifications. So that was the best thing ever. And I always recommend um, people do that. I also have various coaching products. So um, one-on-one coaching opportunities, um, monthly membership coaching opportunities. So I think if you do have a business, you know, you want to get on your next, you want to get on your Netflix tip. So just as you see these companies, you know, everybody's going to a subscription model. There's a reason for that. So you want to have some sort of uh, subscription uh, stream of income in your business. So I've chosen to do that with my coaching platform. So there's digital products, there's one-on-one coaching, and then there's like um, group coaching that I do via uh, a subscription base, um, speaking engagements, um, one-off paid, but that's pretty fun. Um, working with corporations and doing corporate training. So having them, they'll have me come in and speak to their millennial uh, workforce or their you know female population about um, uh, leadership and intrapreneurship and all of that. So yeah, I got quite a few streams going on and um, this year I'm really looking to get into real estate. So I'm like, the sky's the limit, you know, the more streams, the better. Okay. First of all, shout out to you and those size 10 shoes, my big <laughs> sister. Okay. <laughs> it's so rare that I meet another size 10. We have the hardest time finding shoes and it just ain't right. It just ain't right. So shout out to you turning that into a hustle. That's one thing. And then the other thing is, it's so amazing. I learned so much from these conversations and I feel so good having these conversations because I feel like, man, it's like a kindred spirit, that hustler spirit where you are literally out in the street, charging people on the go, coming up with products and, you know, coming up with businesses, coming up with services, just based off the things that people are asking you about or that you're good at, or that you like riding your ass on the, to the outskirts, buying these bikes, you know, it's like those people always ask, well, I'm stuck. I can't make money. I ha- you don't have a money problem. You have a creativity problem. You have a work ethic problem because if you need to get your rent paid, you're going to come up with a way to make some coins, right? Oh. All you got to do is get creative. And there are so many things like I could do a whole episode on the thing. I might do this on all of the crazy things that I've done to get paid. The crazy, <laughs> legal, ethical things, you know, that I have done to get paid, you can find another stream of income, y'all. I promise you, you can. And hopefully, those were some really good tips. So hopefully you all are inspired um, to to create another stream after this episode. Let me know what you come up with, because that definitely should have gotten your creative juices flowing. Um, So Courtney, I read a little bit of your story, and I know that you started the Think and Grow Chick Think and Grow Chick movement based on your personal needs, right? What were you going through that led you to creating this content as sort of therapy for yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, I was going through it in school. So um, I originally went to school as um, an engineering major and I had a full ride scholarship. And, you know, my parents back home were all proud. I'm like, oh, we have a daughter who's an engineer. But it didn't take long before I got on the campus for me to realize it's not what I wanted to do. And I got bitten by the entrepreneur entrepreneurship bug really early. So, you know, I should have been in class, but I was always at the business school or, you know, going to different events in the city, just really trying to cut my teeth 
um, on this whole business thing and learn as much as I can. So I ended up meeting um, another chemistry major who suspected that perhaps chemistry wasn't for her. And we teamed up and started our own little business and we knew nothing about business. So of course it failed, but um, it was a good opportunity for us to get out there. The only bad thing was when you don't go to class and you don't show up for tests and you don't do your homework, especially when you're in engineering, um, you get bad grades. And when you get bad grades, you lose your scholarship. And so I found myself my sophomore year, like, ooh, yeah, I kind of lost my scholarship. How am I going to pay for school? And my parents were like, well, we don't know what to tell you. Like, we are not supporting this madness. Like, you know, you better figure it out. So um, I ended up just getting into a lot of debt, you know, just robbing Peter to pay Paul in terms of turning credit cards over and trying to get loans and all this stuff. And I was just really stuck between a rock and a hard place. And thankfully, someone on the college campus who knew that I was really passionate about entrepreneurship, they threw my name in the hat for this um, like drawing that was happening where this really big women's business conference was looking for female students who were interested in entrepreneurship all around the country to come out to this conference and kind of get the red carpet treatment um, and meet other big entrepreneurs and companies and just, you know, kind of be in that mix. And so they submitted my name. And even though I didn't have the grades at the time, somehow miraculously, I got chosen. And so I got to go out there. And as part of the programming that they had for us, like this kind of, you know, on-site mentorship thing, they had a life coach come and help us do goal setting exercises. And so that was my first exposure to a life coach. I didn't even know what a coach was. I didn't know you could get paid to do that. And uh, the woman, while we were doing our goal setting exercises, kept raving about this book, Think and Grow Rich, and talking about how it changed her life and um, helped her get through, you know, her and her husband avoid, avoid divorce and bankruptcy and, you know, really heavy issues. But I was going through my own share of heavy issues. So I was like, well, dang, if it, you know, if it could help turn around all that, well, hopefully it could, uh, you know, give me some inspiration as well. So I went back home um, to campus and uh, checked out the book from the library because I couldn't afford to buy it and was really inspired by the lessons in there, particularly in the ch second chapter where the author talks about the things you must do if you want to quote unquote think and grow rich. And so even though the title of the book is Think and Grow Rich, it's really about just achieving goals in general, not just money goals and can be applied to anything. And so as I was reading these principles, I was like, this is good stuff. I'm going to do this. And because I had a blogging background, um, because I had blogged for my previous business that failed, we couldn't afford a quote unquote real website. So we had built these blogs and tried to get people interested in our products via blogging. I just said, oh, well, I'll just start a new blog where I'm talking about me applying these principles to my life. And, you know, I'm just going to be the thing and grow chick because I want to do more than think and grow rich. I want to think and grow these grades back up, think and grow this credit card down, like, you know, think and grow my whole life. And so in the course of that year, I just started documenting my journey and I was really honest with people about uh, all the financial trouble I was in and the trouble at school and just, you know, trying things, reading other books, seeing how it worked out. I was open about my uh, issues with procrastination and just all kind of stuff. And slowly but surely things started to turn around for me. So I got on a budget and started paying my debt down and started working out consistently and was getting better grades in school. And I was just sharing all of that. And uh, people started writing me and saying, oh, my goodness, this is very similar to my journey. You know, how how are you doing this? You know, can you help me? Can you tell me what voodoo it is that you are 
practicing over your life. And I'm like, why? Oh, I'm just reading these books, you know, and they're helping me. And so, um, yeah, I continued that and got a little, a small following and a little buzz. And that conference that had, uh, I got selected to go to the previous year, they got wind of what I was doing in part uh, because I was inspired at their conference. And they followed up with me the next year and they said, hey, we'd love for you to design a curriculum for the next crop of girls that are coming in. Um, Can you submit an RFP? And I was like, I had to Google that, like, what in the world is an RFP request for a proposal? Oh, my goodness. And so in the course of that, I found out that it was like a $70,000 contract that they were basically inviting me to bid on. And I was floored that, one, anybody would give like a 21-year-old or think about giving a 21-year-old that much money. Um, but two, that they had thought uh, so much of these little skills that I had developed that they would, you know, entrust me to do that. And so I submitted the bid. Um, but unfortunately, it was right around the time the economy crashed. And so the conference ended up losing their funding from some major sponsors. And they just decided that they weren't going to do the program that year. But it really got my wheels turning like, what? these people almost gave me all this money, you know, to do stuff that I taught myself, you know, in a book and just things that I was practicing myself. So I kept that in my back pocket. And I decided that I was really going to try to make a go of thinking grow chick. So I took a job after college, the one in um, banking with the federal government, and I just continued to build Think and Grow Chick up on the side. So uh, I started just taking this knowledge, these questions people were asking me, and I did uh, my workbook. And then from there, I did a few live events, and then the live events turned into online masterclasses, and then the masterclasses turned into courses. And before I knew it, within about 18 months, I had a whole slew of products that were selling like 24 seven and people, you know, wanting to coach with me. And um, it was just a lot going on and it was successful. And so um, my revenues got to the point in September of 2000, or I'm sorry, July of 2016, where it was clear that I was like, what in the world am I doing? Like, I need to quit my job. I should be doing this full time. So I came home and told my husband, I'm like, look, like I'm quitting, you know? Um, he's like, go for it. You know, you you're doing those kind of numbers. You definitely don't need to be at work. And so um, I put in my two weeks in August and my last day at work was uh, Labor Day of 2016. And so I've just been rocking and rolling ever since. Beautiful, beautiful story and, and journey. And I know that um, your, your followers and not just your followers, but your tribe, your supporters, your community appreciate watching your evolution and seeing you literally create, you know, something out of nothing. How has being transparent benefited you and your business? Because I think so often, you know, people want to build a business, but they don't want people to, they only want people to see the good, you know, the glitz. They don't want you to see like the, the, the grit, you know, the ugliness, the, the way it really, really is. Um, but, but you don't mind, you know, being transparent and that is literally, you know, a part of and built into your business. How has that um, benefited you? Yeah, I think that's, that's turned out to be like a huge uh, differentiating factor for me and a way to stand out. And it's so funny because it wasn't like intentional. I didn't, you know, sit down with a business plan and say like, oh, my differentiating factor is that I'm going to be transparent. It's just I started off that way, just sharing this stuff, you know, as a blog. And so once I converted Think and Grow Chick into a business, it just made sense to keep taking people along my journey. And so I think um, my audience not only appreciated that, 
Um, but it was helpful for me to overcome a lot of that imposter syndrome that people deal with. So um, questions I get all the time when people want to, you know, get into this field or just start a business in general, they're like, you know, well, who am I? I don't have a degree in this. I don't have a certification in this. And I feel like an imposter. And, you know, they hold themselves back literally for years because they just can't get their mind over this concept of like they're allowed to do this because they don't feel like a guru or an expert. But I think it was very helpful for me because I never set myself up to be a guru or expert. Um, I always say I'm not a guru. I'm a guinea pig. And so that was that's my brand. And so people don't follow me necessarily because I have all the answers, but they follow me because I'm willing to try things and experiment on myself and, you know, share what's really going on and then just give back once I found something that works. And so it's taken a lot of pressure off me. Um, I haven't really had to deal with imposter syndrome much. Like, you know, it comes up every once in a while, but you know, I never set myself up to be like, you know, the world's most foremost expert on, you know, this topic. So it's not something that I really have to contend with. So I really would encourage um, people to, you know, take on a more guinea pig approach. That's interesting. I mean, we live in a very reality TV type culture. So people are already used to kind of wanting to see the behind the scenes of uh, somebody's life and their brand and everything um, and use that to your advantage. And then you avoid, you know, having wrestling with those questions of do I know enough or, you know, am I good enough to be doing this. I love it. So, uh, so many gems, so many gems. On your podcast, though, you shared um, 29 lessons that you learned in achieving your biggest goals before 30. And that's quite a statement in and of <laughs> itself, like being able to actually accomplish the things because we are all, you know, year after year creating these vision boards, talking about our goals, saying what we want, but to actually have accomplished them um, before 30 is is something to definitely be proud of what would you say is like the number one lesson that you learned in in achieving those goals oh man um the number one lesson it's one um that i have to keep reminding myself but you can you can decide like how you want your success to be um i think there was a period of time where i got caught up in uh, when I saw that my business was growing and I really wanted this to successful to be successful and I wanted to do this like the right way, um, there's this temptation to um, follow other people's systems and to learn like the correct way to do this. And, um, you know, I found myself kind of trying to fit myself into boxes that didn't quite work. Um, maybe they were successful on the surface, like, oh, yeah, if you do this and you, you know, you say it this way, then yes, you will increase sales or whatever, but just the amount of, um, you know, emotional and mental stress that that brought and uh, just, again, just doing things in a way that didn't suit me or what I felt my purpose was. I felt like it was just kind of like bleeding into other areas of my life and my marriage, all of that. And I just really had to take a step back and be like, you know what, I'm, I'm allowed to succeed in the way that I want to succeed. So um, that's really been a mindset shift for me and just uh, trusting that, you know, I have enough creativity and I have enough value to offer that I can offer it in my unique way and not worry if it's going to quote unquote work because, you know, the, the main thing that I bring to my business is me. Um, and if there's anything that doesn't resonate with me, I don't have to do it. Um, and that, that was just a really big lesson for me because I do love learning. I'm a big believer in mentorship. I'm always looking for mentors myself. I love sitting at people's feet and like, you know, I want to soak it all up. Um, but I think I really had to learn to, to be discerning in that um, you don't just want to learn from someone or kind of follow after them just because 
they have success or even that they have the things that you want, but you really have to ask yourself, do they have the things that you want in the way that you want them? And that was the thing that I wasn't paying attention to before. It was like, yeah, this person, they're running a million dollar business and they're doing all this stuff and maybe it works for them and that's totally fine. But is, do I want my life to look that way? Do I want to hit my million via that process? you know, does, is this compatible with me? And so the answer was no. Um, so now a lot of times I, you know, if I am seeking information or mentorship or whatever, I, I factor in not just the external accolades or success that the person has gotten or the, the, uh, the process that they're teaching has gotten, but I see, does it resonate with how I want to be in my business and how I want to be as an entrepreneur? Such a great point to make. You have to look beyond, you know, the bank account, but into like the spirit of the person and the energy of the person because if you are mimicking or imitating or even being inspired by something that you don't really want to be um that you don't really want to uh imitate like if, if you don't want to um take on the characteristics of that person the character of that person then it's not somebody that you should you know be necessarily getting advice from and i feel like social media has it's really changed the way we think it changed it's changed our perception and how we perceive other people mm -hmm. and i think that we have gotten our culture has transitioned in such a way that we value what people have and not how people are and who people are and i think that you definitely have to look beyond you know just those accomplishments just those achievements but like you said look into the way the manner in which they are going about you know right. doing the things that they're doing so one complaint that I hear um, a lot of new business owners make is that they don't have the money to market their business. And because you have a hustler spirit, I know that you have done some creative things to market, you know, your, your products and your services. But what are some ways that they might be missing the mark um, with either social media or with email marketing or just with in, in person, you know, guerrilla marketing, what are some things that they could be doing that don't necessarily cost them money or a lot of money? There's two major things that I did starting out when I definitely didn't have any money and was um, trying to build this on the side. And I'm always amazed at how people, you know, overlook this. So most people, when they're first starting out, their audience is very small, either it's like zero or, you know, uh, maybe 10 or, you know, a hundred or 50 or something like that. And, you know, they're looking at everybody else and they're like, well, how do I get to, you know, 10,000 or 20,000 followers or 5,000 people on my email list or whatever. And they totally discount the people who are giving them their attention, even if it is only five or 10 people. And so what I did in the beginning, just because this is just the kind of person I am and I like people, I think people are interesting and I, I want to learn more about what people are doing. I would like stalk my followers. So if I had 10 followers, I was all up in their business to see what they were doing. And um, so, you know, people would leave a comment on my blog and I would literally click over and see like, well, do they have a blog? What's their Instagram profile look like? Are they on YouTube, et cetera. And so I just made it my mission where literally I would keep a list of people that uh, constantly, excuse me, um, maybe like affirmed my work or commented or did different things. And I would follow up with them and I would comment on their blogs as well or on their Instagram or whatever. And um, I call this like cherry picking, like cherry picking the people out of your audience um, that also have content and things that are going on and just really following up with them. And so I continue to build relationships with them that way. We would have um, email exchanges. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, do you want to like hop on Skype and have like a Skype tea date or something like that? Just to get to know 
who people are. And that did quite a few things for me. So one, it gave people a greater incentive to share my work. So, you know, if I had 10 people in my audience and I was cherry picking five of them, well, now those five people were routinely retweeting. Every time I did a blog post, they were retweeting it out. Or every time I, you know, posted something on Instagram, they were commenting or reposting or whatever. So I was getting that kind of um, exponential effect. So, you know, if, if five people share with five people, then, you know, 25 people now have eyes on my work where previously they wouldn't have. And so people, again, dismiss like the lower numbers. But when you're first getting started, you do have the freedom and the flexibility to do that. Like, I can't do that now. But doing that back then really built a lot of goodwill with the audience that I had. And so that's how I grew my numbers from like five to 25 and then, you know, to 125 and, you know, getting it up into like the few hundreds. And so once I was there and I had already developed relationships with people, then I started shifting into collaborations and collaborations still to this day is probably like one of the biggest drivers for my business. And it literally costs no money in the beginning. So um, one of the things that uh, grew my Instagram in the beginning was I actually partnered with someone who was in my audience who was out of Atlanta. And so um, I was doing my cherry picking thing and I saw her work and her Instagram and I liked her stuff. And we just kept kind of, you know, chatting back and forth and commenting on each other's Instagram posts. And so then I had this idea for an event and I was looking at my stats and it said that the majority of people that followed me online were from Atlanta. And I was like, well, who do I know in Atlanta? Nobody except this girl. Um, and so I didn't know her in real life, but whatever, we had chatted and Skyped and all that. And so uh, I just kind of pitched this idea and I was really enthusiastic about it and I was like oh we could partner and we could do like this webinar together and then we could host this event and she was totally down because she was like I'm not like tech savvy at all so you know you got it you hook up the webinars and email marketing or whatever and I'll do what I can on my end to promote not just online but to promote here in Atlanta too and so that was my first um, like really successful event where we actually like walked away with some money in our pocket and both of our followings ended up growing as a result um, and so since then I just love partnering with like other women, like, like you said, that I think you have a kindred spirit with that you really share things with. And um, it's just grown my audience in such an organic way for free. Like I'm not paying these people, you know, we just like each other and we partner up and do different things. Um, and it's like, you know, if, if you have a thousand people and they have a thousand people, like both of you walk away somehow with like 4,000 people, because again, it's that exponential effect where, you know, their followers are not only following you, but they're telling their friends about you. And so now those people are coming over too. So I would tell people not to um, dismiss, you know, small beginnings. And there's a lot of advantage in starting small and being able to know, you know, your community members by name. So if you're like, looking at your audience, you are like, oh, you know, my Instagram is so lame. I only have 100 people following me. Well, you know, would you say the same thing if you were in a room and 100 people, you know, were sitting in the room and you had their undivided attention? No, those are real human beings. They're not followers on social media. So follow up with them, develop relationships with them. They will feel even more compelled to share your work. And then some of them might even really be good collaboration partners. And so you can collaborate with each other and then you kind of create this exponential growth through both of your brands. So yeah, I just kept collaborating like over and over again. I think all of 2015 was like one collaboration after another. And I looked up and you know, my Instagram following had grown from maybe like 600 followers to seven or 8,000. My email list had grown from a few hundred to maybe four or 5,000. So 
you know, and that was just in one year. And I, I wasn't even like involved in advertising or paying for things or some of the more complicated um, marketing tactics that are happening right now is just good old fashioned relationship building. Major key alert that right there eliminates all excuses for people who say, I can't make any money. I can't start my business yet because I don't have a following. I don't have a tribe. I don't have a this. If you use what you got, you can get what you want, right? Like she said, you can take those five people and turn them into 50 if you are smart, if you are creative, um, if you really want it. I think that a lot of times our excuses are a result of working towards things that we don't really want. Because mm. when we really, really want something, ladies, when we want that man, we're going to do whatever it takes. I don't care what time I got to get up. I don't care what time I got to lay down. I don't care what, if I want it, I'm going to get it. Right. And so we have to have that same man mentality that when it comes to our business, when it comes to, you know, creating success in our lives, you got to take care of the people that you do have. Don't worry about what you don't have. Just focus on taking care of what you do. I know people, um, some of my mentees who are making five figures, a month off of a 5,000 person subscriber list, right? So you don't need 50,000 people on your email list to make money. You don't always have to have a huge following in order to, you know, in order to do something um, with it. So definitely, definitely cherry picking. That is a way to market your business, to create authentic relationships, um, not just, you know, spamming people with your company. <laughs> but creating authentic relationships and getting social on social media. I think people um, undervalue Instagram, right? You better slide in those DMs. I can't tell you how many times I have slid in someone's DMs and that has turned into an interview, you know, a guest on the podcast, me being interview interviewed on their platforms. It's turned into customers. It's turned into speaking engagements. It's turned into orders. It's turned into real relationships just off of, you know, social media. So you just got to be strategic and intentional. Um, now, Courtney, I, I do believe that it takes a village to build a business, to create success. So who makes up your dream team? Like, who are the people that you have in your business, even if they are like contracted people? Like, what are the actual roles that it takes to create success as far as your team? Um, like your assistant, your graphic designer, your tech person, who are the people that my audience um, might need to, you know, have a list going of the people they're going to need to have in place in order to be successful? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um yeah, I guess my little dream team is growing. So uh, it's five of five people, uh, not including me, um, that work consistently for Think and Grow Chicks. So I have three part-timers and two full-timers, um, and that's been a big help. Uh, the first person I ever hired was an overseas VA to do my um, graphic design and some limited um, email answering customer service type stuff. And so she's still with me to this day. So I find people, once uh, their business grows, you're going to need help kind of managing those emails. People are, um, you know, responding back. Oh, I bought this thing. You know, I didn't get the download link or, I, you know, I sent the wrong email address. Can you send it here? Or, you know, whatever. And so if you spend your, all your time answering all that stuff, then it's going to get crazy. So having someone who can kind of handle that, who can schedule social media for you, that kind of thing. And um, I hired her just to do the VA admin 
and stuff and then ended up finding out that she could uh graphic design and i was like whoa wait hold up like what you can graphic design this is really nice um so you will solely be doing graphic design now and then i ended up getting a second va to then handle more of those administrative duties so um as an online business you know people don't have the luxury of seeing you in person of you know reaching out and touching you and so i feel like having a really legit um looking presence is important so um you know i i was doing a lot of my graphics myself in the beginning and uh, they weren't bad but having you know more of a professional or somebody who could do that not only save time but i think it really streamlined my branding and just really upped my game where people felt more comfortable doing business with me because they were like oh you know she's got it together her logo and her website and her posts and all that stuff looks really good so um definitely the admin um so i have two admins now and then um, my uh in-house graphic designer and then um, my second hire was my uh, sales coordinator and assistant coach shout out to indira hey girl um she is phenomenal so she was actually someone from my community as well so we talk about cherry picking you know i've cherry picked employees literally uh from my own audience so again you know remember these people are real people they have skills you know so uh you definitely should be paying attention um but uh, once i quit my job i found that i was having difficulty focus on you know, the vision of the business and creating more products and being out there doing things like this podcast interviews, because even though I wasn't doing administrative work, there was other um, uh, sales conversations that I had to have uh, some coaching work that I felt like didn't have to be done by me. But I was really reluctant to let that go because I was like, well, this is me. This is the thing go check. I'm the thing go check. Like I'm the only person that can do it. Um, and so I started to open my mind like, well, maybe I could put somebody in that role. How, how would it go? And so um, I found Indira in my community. She was just, you know, in my Facebook group uh, talking about what she does and sales and everything. And so I gave her a, um, a test job and she just like knocked it out the park and i was like yo you want to work for me like come on so um now she uh handles all of the enrollment for various programs where um like my monthly membership or one-on-one -on -one coaching or pretty much anything where someone would need to talk to somebody on the phone she handles that um she follows up with people so if there's a uh, customer service issues where the vas can't handle it or uh, they need to do something with credit cards or something like that um she's there to do that and then also because she has um, sales and business background Around, she's able to assist me in a lot of the um, my coaching platform so you know if I can't always get to questions or if I'm traveling or something um, or you know right now I'm pregnant so if, if I got to go to the doctors or something like that it's really great having someone um, who is knowledgeable who can uh, you know give this the same answers basically that I would give and make sure that um, my audience is well taken care of so uh, yeah my sales coordinator and assistant coach and then um, next I have my all-around everything my director of operation. So um, that's Kelly. Hey girl. Hey. And uh, she's like a online business manager. So I think that's probably the more popular term for it. And um, this is someone who's going to manage your administrative team and more all the operations. So um, Kelly's not necessarily in the weeds, like answering customer orders or doing that kind of administrative work, but she's more like the brains of the operation, like seeing how everything pieces together, making sure everything runs on time, um, making sure my calendar is together, um, making sure like high level requests. So, you know, if the White House emails me, making sure that I'm not missing that, it 
that they're getting whatever that they need. And um, yeah, just making sure that everything's running like a well-oiled machine. And so she's excellent at her job. And I just feel really, really fortunate um, that I have her and others in my team. So um, those are the ones that work directly for me. So two administrative assistants, a graphic designer, I'm an online business manager and a sales coordinator and assistant coach. And then additionally, um, on my dream team, I have uh, an amazing uh, legal counsel, so an amazing attorney. I think once you get to a certain point in business, it's really important to be uh, protected, you know, and well covered. So she makes sure all my um, I's are dotted and all my T's are crossed. So um, she's great. And then um, I have a accountant and a financial advisor. And I always recommend that people should have both a financial advisor and an accountant. Um, someone who can not just only do the books, but I find that a financial advisor kind of has a more broader understanding of where you're trying to go with your finances, what your personal goals are, how your business income can relate to your personal income and just like the, the things that you're trying to do, whether it's save your college, your kid's college education, or like I was saying this year, I really want to get into investing in real estate. They can kind of help you make decisions on that. And then your accountant can make sure that, you know, everything is uh, really straight. So yeah, that's, that's my dream team. <laughs> um, it's been really awesome. I'm sure, you know, more people will be coming on board in the future, but thus far they help th keep thinking Girl Chick afloat. You are goals because if I could just delegate like one thing, I, mean, <laughs> I would give myself a gold star. I'm having a struggle issue with that, but 2018 is my year to stop struggling and I'm excited about it. Um, but that is, that's beautiful. Um, and I didn't even know your team was popping like that when I wrote down this question. So <laughs> perfectly. Um, but this is my last question and it's probably my favorite um, because I, as much as I love to talk about making money, as much as I have these goals of being, you know, just this mogul and boss chick, I need some honey to go in my money, right? <laughs> I am all about, you know, having the family to celebrate all of, you know, these accomplishments with. And you are literally, you know, living the dream. So I'm, I don't want to ask the, the question that I always ask of just, do you believe in balance? How do you accomplish, you know, how do you manage it all? But how, how, just how, how do you maintain and, and, create this marriage, right? That, mm -hmm. that you are obviously happy to still be in. You're still happy yes. to be in that marriage. Um, you, you have a baby on the way. How, what is your biggest piece of advice, I guess, for a woman who may be single, may be in a relationship, but may not necessarily have quote unquote it all? Mm -hmm. um, what's your biggest piece of advice that you would have told yourself when you were in those shoes of not necessarily knowing if you could have it all, not knowing how to create it all, not knowing how to prepare for it all, what would you tell, I guess, your younger self? Oh, Coriel, this is such a good question. I, I was literally journaling on this this morning, and um, a, my my answer is going to be a lot of stuff that I've even learned just within the last like six months and a year, um, because I wasn't doing a good job like managing it all in the beginning of my marriage. And um, oh my goodness, yeah, I think the biggest thing I would tell my younger self and younger people um, is that you know, you really can have it all and it doesn't have to be either or, it could be both. And so I say that because uh, growing up, I always had the mindset that like, 
you know, I was not going to get married. I was not looking for a serious relationship until I was going to be like 30 or something. I'm like super go, go, you know, career oriented. And I had this belief that I didn't really want to entertain guys because I was really focused on, uh, you know, my business and career goals or whatever. And I just didn't have time for that. And it was funny. I actually met my husband uh, when I was 20. So that I was like a full decade before my timeline. I mean, he's a little older than me. So we dated for a longer time, um, you know, and I finished school and everything before we got married. But I remember um, I was engaged at 24. And I remember calling one of my mentors back from DC and telling them like, Hey, I'm engaged and I'm super excited, you know, whatever. And I was really shocked by the response that I got. They were like, like, it was like silence on the phone and they were like, what, you're engaged? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. You just graduated. Like you got this job. I thought you were building this business. Like almost like challenging me. Like, are you not ambitious anymore? Like what the heck happened? I thought you were going to like do all this stuff. And I was really heartbroken to get that response because I was like, come on, you know me, like clearly all these things are still going to happen. But I met somebody, he's amazing. You know, this is going to be great. And they were just, I mean, they were kind of like, okay, you know, congratulations, good luck. But there was this skepticalness of like, you're so young, you know, how are you going to, you know, manage it all? How are you going to balance this? You know, this, this guy's going to distract you. You know, this is a terrible idea if you have, um, you know, these goals. And I find that a lot of women are the same way. Like, I'm not saying you should be out there chasing guys or anything like that, but um, th there's a, a piece of them that doesn't make themselves available to, you know, a serendipitous encounter with someone or to even, you know, be open to it. And I feel like, you know, guys can sense that, you know, if you're so, 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 so focused that you're not even making yourself available, um, you know, it's kind of a turnoff and they'll, they'll sense that. And so, you know, you'll just be focused on your goals, but it might be difficult to find somebody later. And so, um, you know, I was open to it uh, reluctantly because I was scared, you know, that he was really going to derail me. But um, unfortunately, I took that mindset into our marriage in the beginning. And so uh, in the first few years, it was a lot of like hustle, go, go. I don't want you to help me. No, I can do this on my own. Like um, not quite like competition because he's, you know, doing his thing in corporate America or whatever. But I just felt this need to like prove to everybody, like just because I was married doesn't mean that I wasn't ambitious anymore and I couldn't really do this on my own. And so I really rejected his help, even something as simple as like giving me a business idea or wanting to help me with something or giving me a, a referral to somebody. It was like, no, like, you know, we have our marriage that's in this box and then I have my business and you are not a part of this. So, you know, stay in your lane, that kind of thing. Um, and so it really wasn't until honestly this last year where I, the previous year I was struggling a lot with this kind of balance thing. I was really nervous about, um, having a kid, I'm like, you know, oh goodness, I already, you know, did the, the bad thing of getting married, you know, so early when I still have my career goals, like heaven forbid, I bring a child into this mix, like then, you know, I'll be really jacked up. So um, I was really nervous about that and putting things off. But um, the more I started to kind of soften and allow my husband to be, you know, a player in my business. Like I'm still the CEO. I come up with ideas or whatever, but sometimes he has really great ideas. Um, even this microphone that I'm talking to you on, like one day he just, he bought this Yeti for me. Cause he was like, Oh, I, I was listening to your, one of your podcasts on the way to work the other day and your microphone was horrible. So, you know, I got you this mic and I'm like, Oh babe, thanks. That's so sweet. And so, you know, he does really nice things. He, I mean, he has an MBA too, you know, he, he wants to contribute. And so I find that a lot of times men, um, you know, there's something in them where they want to be a provider. And, 
you know, they don't want to provide for you because they think you can't do it yourself. I think that's where a lot of women get it backwards. We like reject their help because we're like, no, you need to know that I don't need you and I can do this on my own. And that's not really what it's about. They know you could do it on your own. I mean, that's part of why they married you. They're impressed, you know, with your, uh, with what you can do and your ambition and all of that, but they want to be a part of it. Like they want to be a part of your journey. They want to give you the gift of themselves. They want to feel like they had a positive impact on things that are super important to you, your goals, your business. And so if you deny them that it's kind of like you're denying them a piece of their, like, you know, their ego and their masculinity, like part of, part of their masculinity is being able to like provide for their woman, even if it's emotional support or good advice every once in a while or whatever. And so once I realized that and I stopped being so like hard and cut off to that and needing to prove to my husband that like, I'm super independent, I can do this on my own. And I allowed him to become an integral part in what I'm doing. I found that the balance question, like it got so much easier and I didn't have to quote unquote balance because they really weren't two separate things anymore. It wasn't like, this is our marriage and this is my business and you stay over there and you're not allowed to cross the line unless I let you. It just became this big stew, this big pot where like everything was boiling in it. And so now I find that I really don't, I don't want to say I don't have to balance, but the balance is built in because, you know, he's a part of my business. Like for instance, um, for our anniversary, he had uh, called when we were getting ready to go out to dinner and um, he was like, well, how was your day? And I was telling him I was stressing about a business idea or question where previously I never would have like shared any stress I have over business because I'm like, oh, I don't want you to think I can't handle it on my own. But, you know, I was being open and honest, just like, oh, you know, I got this block. I can't get over it. And he was like, you know what, I was going to get you like, you know, this thing for the, from the mall for your anniversary or whatever, but tell you what, I'm going to take this back and I'm going to use the money to um, take you on a staycation here in Dallas. And so it'll be fine. We'll have popcorn and, you know, watch movies and all that, but it'll be a business staycation too. And we can get whiteboards and I'll ask you questions and, you know, I'll help you map out your business over the weekend. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're the best that is so amazing. And here's the thing. I didn't have to balance like, Oh, working on my business or spending time with my husband for my anniversary. It was both. We did both because he's a part of it now. Um, and so really just seeing that transformation over this last year and how seamless it's been, that's what made me be like, you know what, you can have it all. You can have the life you want. Um, just make it all mixed together. It doesn't have to be like separate lanes. And so, I mean, I plan to do that with my son who's on the way now. Like people joke and they're like, oh, you're going to monetize your baby. And I'm like, heck yeah, I'll monetize this baby, you know, um, tell my journey and my story. And, you know, he, my kids are going to be as much a part of my journey as anything else. And so they're going to get added to the stew, just like everything. So I think the biggest thing uh, I say, you know, long-winded, but um, <laughs> to tell women is, um, you know, you can have it all and you don't have to be so cut off and like one track mind and think like if you're building your business and all your stuff that you have to exclude or delay all these other things like you can just bring them on board. And if he's the right guy, you know, now I have to preface that my husband is a great guy. He demonstrated that he was supportive in ways when we were dating. So, you know, if, if there is a guy and he's great and he understands your ambition, he's supporting you. And he's already like dropping little hints and, and different things to indicate that he wants to support you, you know, don't, don't push it away. Like, you know, be open to it. So inspired. I love it. I love it. 
I have truly enjoyed this conversation and not just enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. I've gotten some ideas. And like I said, I'm definitely um, inspired to know that it is all possible. um, And I can have some honey to go with my money. Um, And I know that my ladies have definitely um, enjoyed this conversation too and appreciate all of these gems. Can you please let them know where they can find you online, how they can connect with you on social media, and if there is anything um, upcoming or that you're working on that they can support? Yeah, absolutely. So I am uh, at thinkandgrowchick.com. That's my website. So that's T-H-I-N-K-A-N-D-G-R-O-W-C-H-I-C-K.com. And on social media, my biggest um, and most fun platform is Instagram. And so uh, my handle there is thinkin, so the letter N, growchick. I always tell people Instagram was a hater. They said I had too many characters in my name, so I had to truncate it. So it's thinkingrowchick. Um, but everywhere else, Facebook and all of that is just a full think and grow chick. Um, and in terms of um, anything that they can support, well, I have my uh, goal setting workbook, which I'm running a promotion right now where they can actually get it free shipped to their door um, just by going to thinkandgrowchick.com slash free book. So if they want to sign up and get that free book, it's like an actual book that will be mailed, you know, not just a digital copy, um, then I encourage them to go ahead and do that. This has been another game-changing episode of Confessions of a Workaholic, meant to empower and encourage you to get that ass to work. You already have everything you need to get everything you want if you are willing to do what it takes. Courtney, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on Confessions of a Workaholic. Thank you for having me. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. That's chime.com slash goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.